Yes, it's that time of year again. Of course, we love WKRP all year long, but especially now as we get closer to Thanksgiving and recall that incredibly funny episode. Did you know we have five different WKRP designs, including three different Turkey Drop-inspired ones? Simply go to CincyShirts.com and type WKRP into the search bar and have a look. Use the promo code at the end of this episode to save 20% on your entire order online or in-store. Now, on with the show. WKRP in Cincinnati. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 144. Today on our show, it's all about the Freemasons. Guys that joined in the 50s never really talked a whole lot about it, so it kind of missed their children's generation. Uh, it's kind of skipped them, and, and now... You know what would have been my parents. Uh, now I've discovered it. I can remember older guys growing up that were Masons that I looked up to. And... The Freemasons' history stretches back to the 18th century in England, probably further back, actually. Josh Lansdale, a local Freemason, joins us to tell us what the organization is all about. How do you become a Freemason? What do they do? Was the Da Vinci Code and the associated novels all accurate? We find out. If you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo. Simply use podcast at cincyshirts.com and chip in whatever you feel is fair. Also, be sure to listen for that special promo code for 20% off near the end of the episode. Now let's talk to Josh Lindale about the Freemasons. Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati, Ohio. I come from C-I-N-C-I-N-N-A-T-I-Cincinnati. CincyShirts.com in Cincinnati. So I was going to do a lot of research on this before our interview, and then I decided, okay. you know what, I'm going to approach this like a layperson, and, okay. and in that I think people have heard of the Masons, but they don't know what they are beyond the Da Vinci Code, and even if you read that, you still don't know. Uh, yeah. I know George Washington was a Mason. And I see Masonic Lodges around. There's one in the corner of Delta and the Columbia Parkway in Columbia, Tusculum. There's uh-huh. a couple other ones around. We see the symbol on buildings sometimes. That's all I know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I would say we should probably start from the beginning. And uh, where did the Freemasons come from? All right. Well, I guess we started back in England officially uh, in like 1717, I believe, is, is the right... I should start by saying I am absolutely not a historian. (laughs) So anybody listening should definitely check my dates. Okay. Um, But yeah, way back in England, 1717 is when we, the Grand Lodge of England was officially chartered, I believe. And we came over with all the colonists. The legend is that we date back to the building of King Solomon's Temple. Yeah. Um, But obviously we can't. There's no... There's no hard hard paperwork going back that far. <laughs> huh. Okay. So wait, why was the why was it formed in the first place? You start with the uh, the actual stonemasons that built the uh, medieval cathedrals and stuff. They had guilds, and the the story is that they had certain modes of recognition that if you were a mason and you knew how to shape stone and, and build buildings, you could travel uh, city to city and, and find work 
uh, and you were free to move around, hence the name Freemason. So that's kind of where it started uh, in these small guilds of actual Masons. And then as time went on, the higher class of society joined in and it became more of a philosophical group Okay. Um, later down the road. Okay, so at the beginning, it's almost like a certification process. So if you're part of the, if you're a Freemason, then people know you can legit shape stone or do whatever. You're not just... Yeah, they were they were kind of like, uh, like modern day unions. Okay. You can think of it like that. Okay. And then you say that it's, at some point, how do the, does the upper class become involved in it and uh, kind of make it something beyond just a certification process? How I understand it is because these, these guys were able to move around and find work, they were probably more well-off than some of the other citizenship uh, back at, the, at that time. That's they they wanted to kind of align themselves with that. And they kind of had I mean, if you think of who had who had the power back in medieval times, it was it was like the church. They had all the money and were building the big, the big cathedrals. Um, and so you'd think that the upper class kind of wanted to align themselves with that power and with that money is, is kind of how I understand it. OK, so it's there Working class, sort of, but they're making enough money that they can kind of, they can afford to hang with the nobility and people who are in a better circumstance, I guess. Correct. All right. Okay. So it's kind of almost the beginning of a uh, middle class. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, okay. So they got, yeah, they, they kind of, they became honorary stonemasons, uh, if you can kind of think of it like that. Okay. So... I've, uh, I was listening to NPR one time. Uh, I think it was the Planet Money podcast, and they were they had this thing they called a little thought exercise, and they were saying that you know, if you took somebody from the year like 1550 and fast forwarded them to 1890, they probably wouldn't think too much was different, the average yeah. person, because your life didn't change much. Whereas if you advance somebody from 1890 to 1990, they'd be astonished. So life probably didn't change much. Uh, you know, from the time the Masons were formed uh, until much later. But uh, as I said, if it's if it's kind of starting from middle class, it, do they kind of like start some kind of nudge in that direction? In other words, not having to live like in in a hut and you know, and you, your, your bathroom is a hole in the ground and all the other stuff. Is that kind of the, our, our first move, even before pre-industrialization, to you know, a, a better life for the general populace? Yeah, yeah, you can you can think of it that way. And then you said they arrive in the United States along w- when the colonies are being colonized. And is this, they're looking for better work? They just see the opportunity? Why the move well, to America? So so by that time, we had definitely become, we like to call it speculative Freemasonry rather than operative Freemasonry, you know, the ones that are actually working with stone. Um, by the time, you know, the 1700s roll around, um, we're not necessarily actually working with stone and building buildings anymore oh so i was just, that was my next question it's not just masonry it's other skills that are involved so well actually we use the the symbolism of stone masons and the tools they use to shape stone to teach to teach us moral lessons about life 
and so we their actual physical labor and skills are are not really a part of of our organization anymore <laughs> but at the time it was did it move beyond masonry like if you were good at you know making houses out of wood or had some other skill glass blowers anything like that or was it strictly still people working with stone and building structures that way when we started it was you know operative masons was strictly just stone masons okay um and then when it moved to the speculative side um it was people from all walks of life like it is today okay and so how does that uh i know you said you weren't much of a story now but how does that advance like how does that fold into the fabric of american history because shortly and you said 1770 they're formed in britain 1717 ish they're formed in britain but then come to uh, north america and then shortly after that, of course, we have the revolution. How does that play in, or does it at all, into the American Revolution? Oh my God, it's they go hand in hand. All right, now um, we're getting somewhere. <laughs> I mean, there were—I'm oh, going to get yelled at for not knowing this. Fourteen U.S. presidents were Masons. You name the founding father, chances are they were a Mason. I do remember reading remember that. Him. Yeah, uh, Washington for one. Yes. Was, okay. Absolutely. Jefferson. I believe, maybe. What was the name? Jefferson. Jefferson. So Thomas Jefferson, um, I don't believe we have him on record as being a Mason anywhere. Um, there is some some speculation he might have been, but nobody can find record that he was. Okay. Let me see. Here. Ben Franklin? Yes, absolutely. Okay, I thought so. And at this point, these guys, It's is it more of the, like you said, um, a philosophical organization or is there still, are they members because they have, you know, a, a certain skill set that's useful to society or a little bit of both? No, by, by then it's all, all the philosophical side. Aha. Um, okay. Yeah. But, but yeah, back, I mean, middle, medieval times, it definitely, it definitely started to die off and, and change gears by the time. Yeah. Like I said, the 1700s roll around. It's, it's strictly, Okay. Strict, strictly a, a philosophical group. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Okay. So even when they form in Britain in 1717, it's leaning more philosophical and less uh, uh, labor intensive, I guess. Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. So, and you said that the, the the Masons go hand in hand with the revolution. Are there certain principles that the Masons believe that were kind of folded into uh, the uh, the American Republic? I mean, we, we believe that we say that we are all on the level, uh, meaning that that no matter what walk of life you come from, you're you're no better than me, and I'm no better than you. We're all, um, as it would say, all men are created equal. Um, that is definitely a principle we live by. I mean, I would say just democracy in general, how we we vote on anything that happens in lodge is brought before the lodge as a whole and voted on and you may or may not know the answer to this but now i'm thinking since it started in britain and since britain was still going through some transformations from you know uh, a monarchy to a parliamentary monarchy do you think it had an effect over there in terms of how uh, their system continued to evolve after our revolution it would not surprise me <laughs> okay 
So then what happens with, with the Masons after the revolution? Is it still, it's a high-minded organization, obviously. Uh, does membership gradually open up more as we get, you know, go through the 1800s and get to be more of an industrialized nation and, uh, you know, the gradually things get better for the average person? Or how does that, how does it develop from there? So it, after the revolution, it spreads west with, with all the settlers that, that move west. Lodges pop up all over the place, um, specifically here in Cincinnati. I'm sure you've heard the name uh, William McMillan. Yes. Yes, he was, he was a brother. There's the list of names that are Freemasons um, that were, had, to, had to do with the building of Cincinnati is, is crazy. I mean, you have Cleves. Ludlow, Yateman, uh, Crosley. Uh, Yateman's name is on the name of the uh, lodge, the former lodge, uh, at the corner of Delta and the Columbia Parkway, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Yateman, Yateman Lodge is still active to this day. Okay, so it's still a, uh, a Masonic Lodge? Absolutely. Ah, okay. I thought they'd convert it like, into an office building or something. Uh, the actual building, I'm not sure, but as a body that, that meets, they are oh, okay. still very active. So that dating all the way back to the founding of this city. Yeah. Um, so actually, um, the second oldest lodge in Ohio, NC Harmony Number no. Two, is here in Cincinnati, and they actually received their charter from the Grand Lodge of New Jersey because the state of Ohio was not a state yet. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and they again, just like Yemen, they are still active to this day. All right. So my next question: How does one become a Mason? Then, all you got to do is ask. Okay. We don't recruit, I guess would be the term. But if you are interested and and would like to join, all you got to do is hunt somebody down and ask them. Okay. And so, what do you think the fascination comes from with the Masons? You know, what with you know the Da Vinci Code in particular, I guess probably really got people interested probably in in later years I, I read the book you know back in the 90s and i've forgotten most of it the the original book and the prequel which became the sequel in the movie version which is very strange but uh what do you think why people are so fascinated by the masons and all that is it just dan brown's active imagination or do you think people were curious even before that um i, I think they were curious before that we say our our big boom was in the 50s um after after World War II, all these guys came back for more and were craving that bond they had with with these guys they went over into Europe and fought with and they found they found that in a Masonic Lodge. They found that bond. Um, and so we had a giant boom in the fifties and has since taken a downhill turn a little bit. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. <laughs> uh, but I think I think the interest is the secrecy that a lot of people, you know, what, what do they do there? What, yeah, what yeah, goes exactly. on there? That, that, that intrigues a lot of people. But uh, I, guess, I guess that's truly of any organization that, like you said, you're not out actively recruiting. So people probably think, well, then what's, whereas I guess of an organization actively recruiting shows up at the, you know, like Anderson days here and has her little booth up, you know, you ask questions. Right. You go, oh, that's what you guys do. Okay, great. Whereas the Masons, you guys aren't doing that. So it's probably like, hmm, what's going on there? So right. uh, back to the revolution thing. I, I one thing I remember, of course, is if you look at our our money, uh, there seems to be some sort of Masonic influence to an extent. Uh, people claim is that is that accurate or is that just coincidence? 
I think that's just coincidence. <laughs> I do know a lot of men that had to do in the planning of our country and uh, things like currency and, and stuff we use all the time were Masons. And I think it's, it's impossible for some of that not to seep through and just naturally kind of become a part of things. But I, I don't think there's any direct intention there to, to hide stuff. <laughs> uh, that makes sense. I mean, I guess, yeah, like you said, if you're, if you're if that's a good chunk of your week is that and doing whatever else, whatever your day job is, I reckon you're, when it comes time to like designing the money, it's like, Man, this is a cool symbol. Let's just use this. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> and uh, so speak. Oh, I know another note I did have here is there's things I was thinking of is that, um, you know, you were saying about World War II. Uh, I watched these little World War II documentaries on Pluto TV during the days to have them on in the background. And, of course, um, you know, Hitler wasn't keen on almost everybody. And I remember one time he did, they mentioned in passing uh, the one group he turned on, of course, was the Freemasons. And I'm, I'm like, oh, well, I wonder what his beef with was with them. And they never really explain it. And I don't know if it was like it sounded like it had to do with religion, but I wasn't quite sure and, you know, we know he only liked one kind of person, basically. But uh, he hated other people for different reasons. What was his beef with the Masons? Is that they weren't towing the line like everybody else? Or To be honest, I'm not 100% sure. Um, I knew, I know he's definitely, Hitler was definitely into the occult stuff. And maybe he thought there was something there. With okay. that, it could be that back to that we're all created equal and we're on the level uh, um he probably didn't take too fondly of that either <laughs> that makes more sense okay uh, and uh and what is your day job so during the day i'm a materials testing technician if you've ever seen a commercial where they're punching a mattress over and over and over again i do that so i get paid to break stuff oh okay so it's more than just mattress what, what kind of stuff do you get to break uh, we do. I do mostly uh, aviation materials, um, so a lot of stuff they make airplanes out of, aircraft engines out of, sometimes spaceships. Oh wow! Do some, yeah, get to do some pretty cool stuff. So you have to test those and see if they will break under certain like conditions. Exactly. Yep. Okay. Very good. And then back to the Masonic Lodge thing. So you said. At Lodge, you meet, I don't know how much, now that we're, we're talking about the secrecy thing, I don't know how much you're allowed to divulge, but uh, what what do you guys typically do? Because like I said, no, you know, the other groups out there, the JCs, your Rotaries, your Lions Club, you kind of know from them being out and and mingling amongst the community, but what what do the Masons do the, in the 21st century? So we, most Lodges will meet uh, at least once a month uh, and have a business meeting and, and pay their bills for you know, keep the lights on at their lodge and pay the water bill and the boring stuff. When you join a lodge, there are ceremonies you go through. Uh, we call them degrees, the uh, first, second, and third degree. And basically, we'll practice what we call rituals. And if people kind of get a little leery about the term ritual sometimes, uh, but I've heard it akin to, you know, every time you go to a baseball game, you stand up and we sing the national anthem and you sing, take me out to the ball game. And you know, those things are going to happen every time that is that's a ritual. So there's nothing necessarily spooky about it, but we go, we have these ceremonies you go through to become a full member. 
we do a ton of charity work. I'm sure you've heard of the Shriners. Yeah. You have to be a Mason to become a Shriner. Oh, I didn't know um, that. Yeah. So Shriners Hospital, uh, that's that's all all us. Uh, you see the funny little the guys driving around in parades in their yeah, little yeah. cars? Mm-hmm. That is us. So we, I think. So what are the Shriners a branch of the Masons? How do the. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, your local lodge down on the corner is what we call Blue Lodge. Um, that's where when you join, you will get the first three degrees of masonry. You'll go through those first three ceremonies. And then once, you, once you've once completed that third degree, you are what we call a master mason. We say there's no higher level than the third degree. Uh, once you're at the third degree, like I said, we're all on the level. We're all the same. Uh, but then you can branch out and join uh, we call it appendant bodies, like the Shriners, or we have the Scottish Rite or the York Rite. Or there's a lot of, of other bodies that you can join and and do various things with. Interesting. So it's in some ways it's um, what most people would think of when they think of a lodge type atmosphere. You know, maybe even like the the Loyal Order of Water Buffaloes from the Flintstones. That's the first thing I think of when I think of a lodge. Exactly. Like, okay. Yep. Exactly. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. So what other kind of, besides the, the Shriners and the Shriners Hospital, what other kind of things do you guys, are you, you folks involved with? Like I said, we're huge on charity. Downtown in Cincinnati, the Scottish Rite has the Cincinnati Dyslexia Center uh, for children. Or I guess I said that wrong. Let me try that again. <laughs> we have the Children's Dyslexia Center of Cincinnati, downtown, where we help kids with dyslexia. York Rite has Templar Eye Foundation. Shriners, we do the hospitals, all the way down to your local lodge, which will give to your local charities and and even simple things like taking dinner down to the fire station and, and feeding the firefighters. Okay. Um, just just all kinds of stuff. Do you do like fundraisers, picnics? How do you guys? Uh... Absolutely, all of that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and uh, any interesting tales from any of those events? Interesting tales. Ooh, nothing that I can think of off the top of my head. Because um, we we've done we used well we used to do events uh, more than we do now. Uh, we may do some at the end of the year, depending because uh, they're going to have a holiday market again uh, in uh, Washington Square. And there's always something wacky happening yeah. at uh, at some such event. So I was just uh, curious as if you guys had any uh, any experiences with with that because in large crowds, you know things. As far as big public fundraising type things, I don't recall a whole lot of that. We do do some. I know a few years ago we did uh, a fundraiser for Honor Flight. Uh, I'm not sure if you've heard oh, of yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Are they, the, where they fly the uh, veterans to the Washington, D.C. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, we, we paid for a whole 747 to take guys to D.C. to see their monuments. We do quite a bit. I believe the last number I heard is Freemasonry as a whole gives about a million dollars a day to charity. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you were saying that it, kind of the, the peak of interest, as far as people joining, I guess, was in the 1950s when that was kind of a, like you said, the post-World War II, people seeing that come on. Or it, is it... Has it leveled off? Is it growing again? Do you do you think people are kind of uh, seeking something like that again now? So the story I've heard is is we had the boom in the fifties, and then 
their kids, guys that joined in the 50s, never really talked a whole lot about it. So it kind of missed their children's generation. Uh, it's kind of skipped them. And, and now, you know, what would have been my parents? Uh, now I've discovered it through, I mean, there, I can remember older guys growing up that were Masons that I looked up to. And there were guys, I mean, all over the place. Do you that think are, that are a part of it? And and so guys my age are, are finding it now because their grandfathers were and are, and are finding it. But I I like to say we're we're not downsizing, we're right sizing. <laughs> OK, that's a good way to put it. Do you think that um, the fact that the, the, the dads didn't talk to the sons much about it? Uh, kind of added to that level of intrigue and secrecy for a while. Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. Um, there's a lot of stories of guys saying, "Man, you know, my dad never talked to me about this. Uh, you know, maybe he didn't want me to join or whatever." And it's well, he, like I said, we don't recruit. He really, he really wasn't allowed to say, "Hey, will you become a mason?" Uh, okay. Or- <laughs> so guys are finding out later that. You know they were they were probably dying for them to ask to become one, um, and they just never never asked the right question. <laughs> okay, oh, okay. So you you have to ask. You can't ask. Okay, that's that's pretty simple. But it's, yeah. okay, interesting. The gate goes one way, basically. I guess. Yeah, we we really we want the guys that want to be a part of us. Okay. Um, we don't we don't want to have to go and and hunt people down. Uh, if you if you want to be a mason, you'll. You'll find us. <laughs> okay, so it was more of a, uh, a philosophy of the organization. I thought maybe it was, and I'm painting with a broad brush, but we know, like you know, after you know World War II, a lot of guys didn't talk about stuff. You know, not just the war, but it was just kind of a, 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 a not want to say it's a trope, but or a stereotype. But it was, you know, men in the 50s and the 60s didn't really talk about stuff like they talk yeah, about yeah, stuff yeah. now. Okay. You see where I'm going with that? Yeah, that that probably had something to do with it too. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then, how did you particularly uh, become aware of it? Um, me in particular, I like I said, I knew some some older guys uh, growing up that were that were masons that I just always looked up to when I was a young kid. And then fast forward to just out of high school, uh, a friend of mine that I went to school with uh, was a mason, and I saw something that he posted on Facebook. And I was like, Oh man, it's like, I, I remember, you know, about that. Like, tell me more about that. Join there. And that's how I got to where I'm at today. <laughs> and how long have you been a Mason? So I've only been a Mason for about six years. Okay. Joined a lodge, uh, in Oakley and, uh, actually just started a new lodge. Uh, we just received our charter, uh, the Friday before last, the 26th, uh, Stonecutter Lodge. Um, actually, Mayor Cranley de- declared it Stonecutter Lodge 802 Day in Cincinnati on the 23rd of October. So that's pretty neat. And do you have a specific like job within the lodge, or the, the, do positions rotate? Uh, yeah, so I'm what we call the junior warden. Um, I'm like the, the number three guy in lodge. The master of the lodge would be, you can think of like the president. Grand Poobah? That's it. Uh, then there's the, the senior and junior warden. They are number two and number three. And there's there's about eight officers in the lodge that run the lodge and and conduct the ceremonies. But the actual membership of lodges varies varies greatly. Uh, the new lodge we just started, there's only uh, 24 of us 
uh, but there are some lodges that have hundreds of members. And what was the impetus for starting a new lodge? Is it was just where it was closer to where most of those folks lived, and that just was more convenient to have a, a new lodge as opposed to going across town to another one? Without getting too far into it, um, it's a long story. Uh, but the group, the group of us, just kind of have the same ideas about things and have the same vision of of where we see the fraternity going, and and decided to to come together and and start a new lodge. Okay, so different lodges can kind of focus on different things. Yeah, uh, there there is one thing that kind of sets us apart from some of the other fraternal organizations is those ceremonies that we do. They are, for all intents and purposes, they are the same that they have been for the past three hundred years, which is very neat. That's that's something that ties us together. When you join a lodge and go through the ceremonies you know that everybody else in that room has done the exact same ceremony, the same ritual. And, you know, going back to the Ben Franklins and the George Washingtons and guys like that, they did the same thing as well. I say that's kind of cool to know that those guys did uh, went through the yeah. same thing you did. Wow. Yeah. Are there any actual stone masons still in the mace? Is that even still a thing? Because... You know, you see all these all the construction going on around, or is it all like mechanized now? And they're really that's an, an antiquated uh, occupation. There are still actual masons that you know bricklayers. I'm sure there are some that are Freemasons. I don't know of any personally, but okay, <laughs> I, I have no doubt they are out there. And you mentioned you know the the George Washington and and Ben Franklin's of the uh, of the Masons, but is is it still is it still a, how similar is that, I guess to the way it was organizationally back then? In other words, are you guys ever sitting around discussing Sartre and Descartes, or is it? are you more focused on the charitable efforts now and it's leaning more that way? There are, I would say it depends. There are some lodges that are very much into that philosophical, you know, how do I live my life and become a better man and do, you know, just become better. Um, and there are other lodges that focus more on the charity and helping their communities. That's kind of that's kind of what really makes us great is have a little bit of everything and, and come together and put it all together. So again, it goes back to the idea that a, a lodge can form if if enough folks are like minded in one direction. You, you come up with a, a new uh, lodge and get a charter and go from there. Yeah, yeah, that's. That's, uh, we could definitely do that. There are also guys that there are lodges where guys are from two totally different ends of the spectrum that outside of that lodge would probably never speak. Um, but when we come to lodge, they're, they're brothers. I, I mean, I have some, some friends, some very close friends that I don't mean this in a bad way, but there are some old guys that, I probably wouldn't wouldn't hang out with outside of lodge, and I'm very grateful for their friendships. And now. how how do you form a, a new lodge? Like who who decides you can have a new lodge? Is there like a higher body you have to go to and say, "Hey, we're thinking we're we're the bunch of us are you know interested in this uh, aspect of 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 the masons, and we we wanted to go off and form our own lodge? Does someone have to sanction that? Can you just go off and do it? You said that the mayor had. It, it had some involvement in yours. How does that work? Well, so actually, there's a, 
a body called the Grand Lodge of Ohio. They are the ones that oversee all the lodges in Ohio. Uh, they are recognized by the, the, the Grand Lodge of England uh, that was that started at all. So that's kind of how the hierarchy goes. As far as uh, the mayor of Cincinnati, they, we have no connection to the government at all. He just proclaimed it our lodge day in celebration of us getting a charter. Um, I'm trying to think, what do you reckon is the, uh, and the, the ratio of Masons in our government now to when at the time of the revolution, probably a lot smaller, I would imagine. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lot smaller. There are still, still Masons that, that are all over. There you, are. I'm, well, this is, this is, uh, you know, we're recording this on election night. Yeah. Uh, so do you, do you think there would be. Um, regardless of where you are on the spectrum, uh, do you think the government would benefit from kind of those ideals again, uh, being installed, uh, in our government and it may be, because if you like think about the founding fathers, this is a pretty diverse group of dudes. They may all have been Masons, but they still had a lot of different ideas, you know, uh-huh. hence that took them so long to hammer out the, the constitution and all the things that should, should be in it. So do you, do you think that would be helpful now? Yeah. I, I mean, we teach we teach to each other, you know, how to become a better man in your life. Um, I mean, obviously, that's going to help anywhere you go. Uh, but one thing, there, there are two things that we do not talk about in Lodge, and that's religion and politics. Uh-huh. Um, those, those are two so very divisive topics um, that we just, we don't discuss them. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, yeah, we, there, there are better things that we can devote our time to. So and, was that all working on? Has that been like a long-standing rule back to the beginning, or is it just something that's just a, 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 just a, uh, with some, a common sense thing that the lodges have just adopted? You know, that's a good question. I don't know. I'm not sure when when we instituted that. I don't know. I, I'm making a note to look that up, though. Because <laughs> I'd imagine they were founding the country, even if they didn't talk about it in lodge. They probably there was plenty of opportunity to talk about it, you know, in the Continental Congress. So sure, um, yeah, there you yeah. Go. Um, well, great. I think uh, we've learned a lot here about the Masons, and it's not at all as secretive as, as everybody uh, thought. D- are, do you think there are a lot of misconceptions out there about the Masons? I mean, there's, there's been little gags on, on the Simpsons stuff. And again, I think the Da Vinci Code in the 90s probably fueled a lot of that. Do you think there are any misconceptions, or do you think people understand it's you know basically a lodge environment and it's you know not too dissimilar from other lodge-type organizations you might know? Uh, I think there there are a lot of of misconceptions. If you go back, uh, I'm trying to remember the date. Late or early 1800s, late 1700s, somewhere in there, there actually started a anti Masonic political party, like the Democrats or the Republicans. There was an anti Mason party oh. that spread a lot of a lot of disinformation about us, and and ever since then. Uh, people have kind of, you know, said, "Oh, the Masons—they're—they're they're a cult. They're doing, oh. you know, weird stuff. That kind of thing." Absolutely not true. So it's just, just uh, one of those things that perpetuates, and people and just believe it generation to generation, and it kind of rolled on from there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I think I think a lot of people think, you know, because we're secretive about some stuff that that we're up to no good. And that is absolutely not the case. Uh, I mean, if you go down next to the Taft theater, downtown Cincinnati, uh, is the Cincinnati Masonic center. 
uh, it takes up half a city block. Kind of hard to to be secretive when you're when you've got a giant building downtown. <laughs> That's true, but people love a good conspiracy, even nowadays. Yeah. Um, yes, they do. Even more so. But I guess there's other places that, to direct that energy. Well, speaking of, um, did you ever read or see The Da Vinci Code? Yes, I have. Okay. And thoughts? Was it a bunch of hooey or was it like, ha-ha, that's fun, but you're completely wrong? Or what What was kind of your reaction to that? That's Hollywood. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically, it's a, it's a story that, that fits the facts. as yeah. they would. Okay, yeah. Uh, and they extrapolate. Yeah, it, it is interesting that people, you know, don't really, whether it comes to anything, because, you know, you watch, a, I remember the big complaint about there was, with the movie, I believe it's any given Sunday. This one just pops into my head. And um, there was a sportscaster on, and he was saying, oh, the movie actually is very accurate. It's very realistic. Did a great job, except for uh, the showing the guy sitting on the sidelines reading a newspaper and smoking a cigar. And I thought to myself, I'm pretty sure that was a joke, sir. <laughs> Even though it's a serious movie, they were probably just trying to illustrate in a humorous way that the backup quarterback doesn't have a lot to do. Ha ha, he's smoking a cigar. And although, fun fact, there's a famous photo of Len Dawson of the Kansas City Chiefs sitting on the sideline smoking a cigar. So, That's awesome. <laughs> so it comes from somewhere. So yeah, I guess uh, Hollywood does have a way of uh, skewing uh, things in our lives and making us think they, there might be something that, that they're not. But um but like I said, uh, we've learned a lot about the Masons today, and uh, very, very interesting. Um, as a listener of the podcast, you probably now know that this, uh, at, toward, at the end of the interview, you get to pick the uh, coupon code for uh, the coming week, and people will be able to use this to take 20% off their entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com uh, order. And uh, what would you like that word or phrase to be? Um, let's just make it Freemason. Freemason. Easy enough, folks. There you go. All right. Anything else you want to add about the Mason? Anything people should know or you would want them to know? Um, if you'd like to, to get more information and maybe learn how to join, freemason.com. Okay. There's a website. All right. There you go. Absolutely. How, that's how, how that's the website for the Grand Lodge of Ohio. Uh, oh, great. If you know Mason, talk okay. to them. Or... All right. How 21st century. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Okay, great. Well, thanks again, uh, Josh, for joining us and, and taking the time to do this. And, absolutely, uh, thank you. All right, and uh, and good luck to you the rest of the way and um, continuing success with the Masons. Yeah, thank you very much. All right, thanks, Josh. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. Bye. Josh Lindale. Well, there you go. wasn't so secret after all, was it? Found out a lot about the Freemasons. Uh, you know, always drive by and you see the building and you think, hmm. I, and then you, maybe you see the uh, little conspiracy theories online of why, why is our money all full of Freemason stuff? Just because they were Freemasons, that's all. That's all. Sometimes the simplest explanation is the best, kids. Now, if there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast or someone you'd like to have back on the podcast, drop us an email, podcast at cincyshirts.com, put podcast guest in the subject line, and then give us the details from there. Be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area, but still feel connected to the tri-state. As always, if you haven't already, go back and check out those Cincy Shirts podcast archives from baseball great Johnny Bench to actress Amy Yazbeck. There's just tons and tons of great episodes back there, I guarantee it. 
Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia, actually. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. Find Midget Tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and more at OldSchoolShirts.com. A lot of defunct sports teams, old restaurants, shopping malls, things like that. It's like Cincy Shirts, of course, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is FREEMASON. All one word. There you go. All caps, all lowercase, all uppercase. You can alternate upper and lowercase, I think. It won't make any difference. And you're going to use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can come into our stores in Over the Rhine and Hyde Park and say you'd like to use the podcast code FREEMASON and they will give you 20% off. Uh, someone fooled me once. I was working in Over the Rhine. Uh, last Christmas, and I completely forgot, and the dude, I was the one from the hockey episode uh, when we had uh, the play-by-play the -play guy from the Cyclones, and he said it to me, and for a second, I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm like, oh, that's the podcast code, <laughs> and I gave him 20% off his entire order. How about that? Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest NC Shirts news. Tell your friends about the show. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from, and as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. I said goodbye. I wish I said goodbye.